Woo! All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, time now for On the Mark. Fueled by Booster Juice. Download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the days. We welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Good morning, Spec. Uh, we were just talking about Justin Turner signing with the Blue Jays. I know you're a big baseball guy. Do you like that signing or not? Yeah, well, every time you watch him play, he was a good player. He's a good player for the Dodgers. Uh, I don't watch him close enough to tell you if he's going to, you know, what he's got left or what's going on health-wise or all that. But uh, I would suggest that Jays can always use his bat, can't they? Mm-hmm. He's 277, 63 dingers, 264 ribbies over the last three seasons. It's over the decent. last three seasons? Yeah, so, you know, he, last year we threw, we threw this out a little earlier – a lot of his stats last year in Boston rank either one, two, or, well, one or two and some threes on the Jays roster. So that tells you about what the Blue Jays were hitting last year. They struggled a lot at times with Vladimir Guerrero and, yep. you know, they didn't have the consistency that they wanted. And, you know, even when we put his stats, and he's not going to play a lot at third base. He'll play some. They still need to fill in a piece there, but... You know, his numbers and his leadership. That's uh, the, the, maybe more so than anything. That's maybe yeah. what they need right now. What's he got left as a third baseman? That would be uh, another question. At one point, he was he was an all right third baseman. Yeah. But what did he do last year in Boston? Did he play much third? Did he, yep, he, he played he, third. He, he also played some at first. He played second. So he can move around. He can move around the infield. And I think he, you would see mostly DHing, right? You know, he's basically going to be the, you know, Brandon Belt kind of thing. Yeah, different type of hitter. They don't have, you know, I think when they wanted Brandon Belt, they they were really, they came under the gun, the Blue Jays did, for not having enough left bats in the lineup. Yeah, they did. And Belt was one of the guys that they felt, and, and, you know, he he did the job at times as well. So um, we'll see what Turner does. I'm I'm a big fan of this this move. Yeah, okay. He'll give Vladdy the odd day off the first base, so that's good too. Mm -hmm. Uh, More bats is good. More bats is good. You want some runs out of this team. They should the lineup they put in the field last year looked like a lineup that would score plenty, and and you know you'd be able to get. You, it didn't put. It wasn't going to put as much pressure on the pitching, yeah. and it didn't turn out that way, right? Lots of guys didn't hit last year, starting with Laddie, and uh, they didn't have the pitching to back that up. Mark Spector with us, Roger Sportsnet. So we were touching on this at the top of the show spec and. We've had there's an all star break every year, and uh, why does it feel this one is so much longer? And everyone's looking forward to this game in Vegas, isn't? And it's just because of the the run the Oilers are on, and that could be 17 in a row come next uh, Tuesday, a week from today. Yeah, I think it's a mental exercise. It's been you know, Oilers fans have enjoyed watching their team so much, especially right now. Now they stop playing, and it's like, what am I supposed to do every second night? Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, I think it's always been. You know, I mean, certainly for the last many years, there's been a week off because I can always remember, you know, guys going to Mexico and things like that for five or six days. Um, but it does feel that way. It does feel like a really long time. I mean, I was watching. It's so bad. I was watching Ottawa <laughs> play Nashville last night. <laughs> My wife says, what are you, you doing? Get, like enough of watching hockey. You're watching Ottawa and Nashville. I said, I'm only watching the last 15 minutes. <laughs> I felt the same way, Spec, and I couldn't watch it. I'm sorry. I just couldn't watch it. And there's some nice players on both teams, but I just couldn't oh, yeah. watch it. 
I mean, it's Monday night. There's no Monday football. No, no. football on. And then you so, know what, Spec? Later in the night, um, I watched a little bit of the NBA game, Denver and Milwaukee. And I was okay. like, you know, so these are two of the best teams in the league. But then it gets down the stretch, and it's foul, foul. And, and I mean, the last several minutes take an hour to play. And yep. I just, it, I, I was losing my marbles again. NBA people don't mind that. They don't. It's part of their sport. Yeah. You know, it's just part of their sport that when you get to the end, uh, and, and, you know, to a lesser extent, NFL people don't get in, in a nod about the fact that there can be... Nope. There can be a minute and a half left in your team if they have timeouts. The game's over, right? right. They can just, you know, or if, or if there's no touch, I should say if the other team has no timeouts, they can just kill the clock and make nothing happen. And no one in the NFL ever says, man, what a dumb way to end a game, the way us CFL people say that sometimes. I certainly do. Oh. I hate the fact that they just they just kneel out a game yeah. such a huge portion of time. But I guess if you're used to the NBA, you're used to those those. You know, the endings of those games, it's just foul, foul, yeah. foul. Well, again, you, you think about what the CEBL does with that Elam ending, and it's more exciting, you know, how, how they do it with the last four yeah. minutes, and then, you know, they have that set score and a target score. That's yeah. more exciting. And remember Doug Flutie, Speck, he always said, if you could get, if you could combine rules from the CFL and the NFL it would be one hell of a game. And he, Doug Flutie always said, too, that a lot of the rules, more rules are, there are better rules in the CFL, a lot of them, than in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, think, and again, things like, again, you know, when, you, when you're, you know, punching out a clock with two minutes left, like, what, what's, the, what's the point of that? Yeah, you no, know? I don't like that much. And they're, you know, I mean, they're kicking rules. I don't even know why they kick a ball anymore. In yeah. the, it's a, the kickoffs. You know, there's, there's nothing happens, yeah. but and everyone just fair catches every punt, and like this, mm-hmm. it's, it's like they're just trying to not have any action on any of their kicks. And I guess it's about injuries. I don't know. I'm with you. Maybe they're you know the old line was NFL players playing under CFL rules would be the best football ever. And that, uh, well, if you got rid of the rouge and all the singles, got rid of all those. I think. Yeah, well, that's. A, I mean, now that's a deeper. Now you got to move your your goalpost to the back of the mm-hmm. end zone if you're going to get rid of the rouge. Now you got to have a smaller end zone, or you won't have any field goals. Like the rouge is a complicated one, man. Yeah. It's oh, all, there, there's no question. You know. But you know, a little bit more of a wider field. Just think of that how you know with all the NFL talent and and things like that. I mean, the NFL's come a long way. Listen, there was there was weeks when there was all kinds of nine six games, and mm-hmm. and the good teams play a pretty exciting brand of football. The NFL, well, because you know? they did a lot of the NFL. You know, they took to the CFL game. They they took pieces of it, the passing uh, and things like that. Tried to do a little more motion and things like that. Uh, you know, a little more trickery on offense. So you know, it wasn't well, for just sure, hand it up and go up the middle. I always tell American guys that. You know, there was a time when all the Lamar Jacksons couldn't play in the mm-hmm. NFL. They didn't want them. So they'd come up here, and they were fantastic, right? Yeah. And now Lamar Jackson's playing. Patrick Mahomes is playing. You know, there's there's seven or eight different quarterbacks or ten that, that 20 years ago the NFL didn't want them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it is. It's a way, the NFL's a way better game today. No one's 
disputing the fact they've got all the best football players and all the no. best athletes. There's no doubt about that. They, the CFL is basically AAA football. Um, I like the CFL, but mm-hmm. it doesn't give you, you know, it, you can't set it next to the NFL. And, no try to start making comparisons here come on no not not at all again just (laughs) as we were saying a couple of the rules again uh just even tiny ones like in the nfl if they were to tweak like what about when similar to college so when you know say you have under two minutes left and you have no timeouts but you get a first down and they're moving the chains why why are you able why do you have to wait for the referee to spot the ball chains to get set up that shouldn't happen if you're ready to go, then go. Well, sure. I mean, I think we're there's a lot of clock issues. You know, it's funny because the NFL game has evolved, and it's evolved in a positive manner. It's it's just a better game, more fun to watch. Their clock hasn't really evolved, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the next step. Like, for instance, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe when you get a first down in the CFL, the clock stops until everyone's ready to go. In the NFL, you make a 40-yard pass, and well, every, that clock's running while running. everyone's going to the ball, yeah. right? Those are just wasted seconds. Like, why aren't we, you know, like, we? that's the best part of the game. So I would say to you that for sure, I mean, it, does it ever happen? I doubt it. The NFL could take a long look at its clock, mm-hmm. right? They could take a long look at trying to get more out of the best moments out of the game, of the game rather than encouraging time waste. I mean, I was talking to Kenny Hall the other day. He said he went to a Super Bowl one time in somewhere, and he said, you, you know, you go there, it's a six-hour day, <laughs> and how much actual football do you see in a, in a football game? 60 minutes of football. How much time is the, no. there really, isn't it like 14 or 15 minutes of actual football? Well, when you look at it, a lot of the time, Spec, if you're lining up and you're running a play, that play can run anywhere between, let's just call it 7 and 15 seconds. And if you're not in a hurry-up offense at that time, yeah. then, their, again, now you're waiting and you're, you know, and a lot of teams... Their clock, what's yeah. their play clock in the States? 40. Yeah. 40 seconds. Yeah. Right? And how, how many seconds does it take to make a, a two-yard running play? Again, Maybe, yeah, you, you know, by the time seconds. the guy gets hauled down, it could be, you know, six, seven seconds. But if you're going to run a route and maybe something a little bit deeper... You know. Okay, so even if the average play is, is ten seconds just for fun. Oh yeah, like you that's know, that means, you're probably your Kenny was hot with saying that there's about fifteen minutes of action. It's probably under ten, maybe eight, eight or nine. Yeah, so, so. I mean, I guess that's the point in the end. Listen, here we are trying to redo the most popular <laughs> cons- consumer game in yeah. the history of sports. No sport is more enjoyed, no. spent money on, paid attention to than the NFL. Maybe they're not phoning spec and carious to find out how to make it better. But if they did, I would say go look at your clock. Get mm. more than 12 minutes of football at every football game for sure. I'm just getting a text in from Roger Goodell, spec. Mm. Good. <laughs> <laughs> tell, him, tell him we're going for a beer this afternoon. Yeah, could you imagine that? He would go, why would I even listen remotely to these two idiots <laughs> in Edmonton? <laughs> These two idiots in Edmonton. You, we were talking about the All-Star game spec and all that stuff, and I was just looking back to that. The uh, All-Star team that the Oilers had back in 86 uh, with nine players. Nine players and then Slats as coach. So ten. Ten, represent, uh, ten players representing the Oilers uh, with a coach. Like, was that game in Calgary? Oh, Donovan, pay attention. Get on it. 
<laughs> Donovan, we got Donovan the intern, and he's like, when he when something like this happens, he's got you know. As an intern, I would have been going, okay, let me just check on that. Now, every time something happens like this, Beck, I go, Donovan, pay attention. <laughs> was that? But was that the All Star game in Calgary? Well, Donovan's going to check on it right now. I'm pretty sure that it was. So, um, eighty six. Sure I think it was a brand new saddle dome back then, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But yeah, it was insane. There was like the team picture of the Oilers. I've seen it at Jack Cookson's place. Mm-hmm. Um, the team pictures. There's like you know half a team of Oilers in it. But then again, the Oilers had all the best players back then. Yes. So why wouldn't that happen? The fact that it was in Calgary was what really stung everybody. They put on an All Star game and it's all filled with Oilers. No one down there liked that much. Eighty-five. Donovan says eighty-five. Okay. That, so it wasn't that wasn't that wasn't so. It was eighty-six. Dallas. Okay. Uh, really. <laughs> Come on. Okay. We make Donovan do the research and then immediately question what he, what he brings back to us. Yeah, nice work, Donovan. What, come on, Donovan, yeah. Uh, Lee texts in, too. They also had all the Oilers trainers. But, you know, the other thing, Spec, is that, like, Slats, had, he was the guy, it, he picked some of the players, right? It wasn't like it is, like, he, right. he had the ability. Like, I mean, Lee Fogelin, he picked Lee Fogelin, right? Sure. So... Yeah, they didn't do it the way they do it now with fans and all that, right? Little different, little different. Yeah, for sure. All right, big guy. Well, enjoy the day. It's beautiful outside. Maybe you'll be chopping wood down at the lake there. Uh, You never know. It's beautiful sunrise as we speak. Look west, everybody. Well, we're yeah, we're in a little bit of a mine shelter here, so we get to see that outside right now, Spec. Maybe I should say east. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Look west. Okay. Yeah. There's a guy that I want chopping my wood. Look west, everybody. See that sunrise. And then then turn around and look the other way, and then you'll see it. I don't. I'm going to remember this one for a long time. The Duke. The Duke has tears down his eyes. Look west, everybody. What a beautiful, beautiful sunrise. See you tomorrow, Spec. Thanks, buddy. All right. <laughs> That's on the mark. Energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. Check out that sunrise out west. He said it, and I was going to let it go, but then he caught himself with the correction, which is great. I mean, well, hey, good on I good was, on spec for realizing it right after. But it's it's so because what he said. I mean, hey, there's some value. But look west, still see the darkness of the the great Albertan sky. Turn around and look east, and you'll be mesmerized by the uh, brightness uh, peeking up over the horizon. So you know it's about contrast. Uh, I was looking for the next liner, and I was thinking, okay, just a minute, did that just happen? <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, when we come back, Craig Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. There are sports fans like all of our listeners and are totally pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.ca as we welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Good morning, Frank. How you doing, Kevin? Why aren't you on a beach in Hawaii somewhere? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where we're going to send Donovan the intern, I think, Frank. Uh, we had some... Why? Is he screwing things up in there? Well, uh, so we had we just had spec on. We started talking about the 1986 All-Star Game, where the Oilers had nine okay. players. And, that and, predates my existence on this planet. Go uh, ahead. Yeah, and Glenn, Glenn Sather was happen. there, too. Yeah. So, you know, we were just saying, well, we couldn't remember where it was. 
So Donovan, we said, Donovan, get on. You know, this is where you have to get on stuff like this. So he goes on the interweb and he, cause he he's so fired up and glad that he found it. He goes, Reunion Arena, 1986. I go, Okay, well, now it didn't make a lot of sense That's to me. That's not possible because da- <laughs> Reunion Arena is in Dallas. Yep. Well, and Dallas didn't have a team in 1986. Yeah, it was the NBA All-Star game. <laughs> ah. So, uh, Only well, slightly different. It was in Hartford, and thanks to uh, Shovelhead and one of the many texters that sent in, it was in Hartford. But, uh, yeah, it was nine Oilers on the roster. They picked it a little differently, obviously, than they do now. Uh, Glenn Sather and oh, the entire training staff was there. So a lot different than what it is now. Are, and are you going to Toronto here in the next couple of days or what's your I schedule? Am. Okay. Yes. And what do you got on, what do you got cooking there? Uh, we're going to have uh, an awesome slate uh, shows and people part of the nation that were coming in from around the country. Okay. Uh, descending on Toronto, we're going to have two full days of live shows on Thursday and Friday. So looking forward to getting everyone together and then, I can't wait to see this skills competition. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm one of those people that could take or leave all-star weekend in general, but I think this specific skills competition could be a really memorable one. I agree with you, Frank, in that sense. Uh, the only thing that worries uh, me about the skills competition is how the scoring, uh, the points are accumulated. And if you're say in the middle of the pack and just say you haven't had uh, say, you, say you are ranked fifth or sixth or something like that going into that final event because it's weighted so heavily on that last event. You know, I'd hate to see a guy, you know, do so well for five, six events and then someone come out of the blue and take it over. You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of what makes it awesome. I don't know. Like the fact that there's so many people that are still in play toward the last event. Yeah. I think kind of like a, like I'm in a football playoff pool and um, the Super Bowl is just weighted more than all the other games. It keeps it interesting. Ah, I just, I would feel bad for a guy that's dominating and being on top of the heap and then all of a sudden has one sort of mediocre event. You know who I feel bad for? That guy. No. It's 11 of the very best players in the world and JT Miller. (laughs) (laughs) That's the guy I feel bad for. And he's probably going to light it up because he's going to be thinking that he needs to belong. Well, so... You feel bad in the sense that you think that he doesn't belong in that top 12. He's, I think he's the clear outlier for sure. Okay. What about in stick handling? I think he's a pretty good stick handler. I think he could be good in a lot of events. Pretty good passer. I I think he's, he, he's one of the best transporters of the puck. Mm -hmm. He, He could be good in fastest skater. Like, but apparently he said, publicly that he doesn't want to be in fastest skater and yeah. the fact that you get to pick your events is really kind of interesting do, do you know how this obstacle course works for the final event frank i don't okay i just thought maybe there was some sort of a, a video I know that the nhl was trying to make it less sort of gimmicky in the sense that you remember a couple years back in all-star i think going back to the one in st louis where they were like shooting pucks from the concourse mm-hmm. Like they 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 wanted to try and get away from some of that stuff and make it more hockey specific, so that um, you know, especially with this skills competition. Like, think of the last few. I was at All Star last year in Florida, yeah. and they like would if you were in the building, they would just pause the skills for thirty minutes and play tape from the beach. Right. That was from like a day earlier. 
Remember that guy almost took one in the coconut? He was walking down the beach and someone let one rip. He probably deserved it. Shouldn't have been standing there. <laughs> well, but I mean, he, like the whoever was shooting was like way off the target board, and I think well, probably did it on purpose. Yeah. Well, hey, it's kind of like Randy Johnson and that bird. Like you, you just, you just shouldn't have been there. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the bird, anyway. Uh, what's on the daily face-off trade target board coming up today, and then even kind of backtrack to yesterday as well? Yeah. So yesterday we did a breakdown of. Um, Chris Tanev. Chris Tanev. And today we've got some trade destinations for UC Soros. Mm. Now, Soros isn't on my trade targets board, but there was a report from TSN about 10 days ago that said that the Preds are willing to listen to offers. And that kind of surprises me because I think they've waffled back and forth. Barry Trotz, he was on my podcast, frankly speaking, in November And he said, point blank, Soros is our guy for the future. But I think there's so many teams that are in the market for not just a goalie, but someone that's a real difference maker that they can trust. And that's a category that Soros falls into. On track to play another 64 games this year, something like that. He's a workhorse. He's he's a beast. Hmm. And I think there'd be significant interest. The interesting part is... How much could the Preds actually get for Soros, given that goalies typically don't go for much? And if they're going to make the plunge and and actually move him, you, the theory is Yaroslav Askarov mm-hmm. is waiting in the wings, which makes sense. But are any of the teams that could really use Soros, like in the playoff chase, would they be willing to do it before the deadline? Or is that a summer move? Like, So the teams that we've got listed today, New Jersey, Carolina, L.A., Toronto, and I think that's it. Yeah. You may have put the Oilers in that category several weeks ago, but not now. Yeah, I, I don't think it makes any sense right now. I think if, if the Oilers wanted to address their goaltending situation at the deadline, to me it would be getting someone that you feel more comfortable backing up Stuart Skinner instead of Cal Pickard. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, you know, a, a regular longtime listener, um, Ali, he lives in Calgary. He, uh, he messages me all the time. He sent me this. I'm just looking at my Twitter inbox here. He goes, I would still like the Oilers to add a backup goalie if it is 29's last playoff run with 97, which I think is hyperbole. Pickard doesn't cut it for me. And I think a lot of Oiler fans probably feel the same way. They could, yeah. But again, the way things are going right now, and it could change in a month, but I don't think that any of those higher names like Asaros is on, on a no, list or No, no, I agree sure. with you there, yeah. but I do think that there's probably someone out there that gives the Oilers a little bit more comfort that isn't going to cost them a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what like did you- if he would go there, I think Ken Holland would actually drive to Minnesota <laughs> to pick up Marc-Andre Fleury. Fair. Yeah, that's I. I'm, but do you think Flurry wants to go anywhere? I I just think with family with Flurry, it's you know, he's done it, done enough, done it all. That where I don't think so. Family I think comes he's first. Hungry, yeah. and oh. I think if he's so Mark Andre Flurry has made the playoffs for 17 consecutive seasons. I don't think he has any interest in watching one go by without him at age 39. Mm-hmm. 
So I think there's a pretty high probability and or likelihood that he gets moved. But I think the consideration for Marc-Andre Fleury, as I understand it, is going to be, can I go to a place where I have a chance to play? And it's not to be the starter, of course, but it can't be someone that you're an afterthought. And I don't know what that situation looks like one month from now with regard to Stuart Skinner. Obviously, he's he's playing extremely well and is a huge reason why the Oilers have won 16 straight. And they they clearly trusted him last year in the playoffs, even when he faltered. Mm-hmm. But is there real avenue for Flurry to play if he were to be a guy that Edmonton looked at? Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. What do you make? Uh, and by the way, yeah. just to, to to put a bow on the Flurry conversation. A couple years back, going to Minnesota would be three years ago now. He got a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Probably looking at a third now. Would you trade a third for some backup goalie insurance? Of course, everyone would. Oh, you would? Okay. Yeah, I would. I would trade a third for sure. Yeah. Okay. I would definitely trade a third for Marc Andre Fleury. Um, uh, LA Kings, what do you make of the LA Kings have been just abysmal in the, in the last 14, 15, 16 games, but none of these teams in the West, for whatever reason, because of their mediocrity, have been able to really catch them in the sense to, to pass them and knock them out. Um, I think it's an indictment to all those teams. And and where do you see things going in, in LA, I guess? Yeah, I don't see the Kings even as this is probably as bad a stretch as they could play. And I was actually talking about this with Jason Gregory yesterday on our oh. podcast. I said, have the Oilers, like the the stretch that the Oilers went through to start this year, 2-9-1, and one, the Kings are 2-8-6 and six in this last run. Like, is it is it really all that different than the rut that the Oilers went through? It's actually better. They, you know. Well, slightly better. Yeah, yeah I mean – by picking up overtime points. points. Yeah. Yeah. But we remember the panic that had set in with the Oilers, mostly because of how the math works in the NHL, that if you get too far behind the eight ball, you can't make up the points. And I guess it's easy to do when you win, you know, 24 out of 27 games as the Oilers have over more than a quarter of the season. But it goes to show you that the Kings had banked so many points early on that they're really not in danger of missing the playoffs. One, because there aren't really very many threats behind them. And two, because they had afforded themselves that luxury of their position based on the way that they had played to start the year. So I do have real concerns. There's clearly something off when you hear players talk like Drew Doughty did about some of the selfishness and everyone points the finger back at PL Dubois who hasn't held up his end of the bargain. But I, I, I think there's multiple things going on at once. They can't score. I think they've scored more than three goals once or twice since Christmas. And more than that, their goaltending has fallen apart. Like mm-hmm. Riddick, yeah. his numbers are pretty strong. But Cam Talbot has just hit a wall. And I wonder if they played Cam Talbot too much to start the year, the first quarter when he was off to such a ridiculous start. Should they have taken their foot off the gas a little bit with a guy that's in his mid-30s that was really injury-prone the last few years? 
Frank Saravalli with us on his way to Toronto. I have a great time in, in Toronto, Frank. Are you looking forward to the uh, the the draft, the player draft on, on Thursday night? And if you are, is there one, what do they call them, global superstars that are the captains, co-captains? Is there one in particular that you're looking forward to watching make a selection or two? So I'm not, and I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> I think the NHL took the weenie way out. Okay. And what they should have done was separate McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like force McDavid to pick Dreisaitl first or oh, whatever okay. with his first pick. And what if someone else took him first? Like spice it up, make it interesting. We see these guys play, and I know Oiler fans are like, well, they have to play together. Their team, no, no, they don't. Like spice it up, make it an interesting weekend, make it an interesting draft, the drama of – if the Hughes brothers took Dreisaitl first or whatever it might be, that's that's where the fun is to me. And so I think putting those two together from the start kind of takes away from it. And I don't know, like, will will Connor find a way to get Sid on his team? Well, what, what about the other? Then you could say that you can, if you separated them all, then Nathan McKinnon would take Kale McCarr first. He might. He yeah. might not. What if he doesn't? What if, what if Nathan McKinnon takes Sidney Crosby first? Fair. Two Cole Harbor guys. You make a good point, Frank. As you I know, just, I, all yeah. I'm saying is if you really are designing this to make it interesting, don't put McDavid and Drysaddle <laughs> together as assistant captain and captain. Like, <laughs> throw sprinkle a little paprika on there and let's have a night. I, I'm just more looking forward to the tribute to the 1967 Stanley Cup champion Maple Leafs. That's going to be the biggest squad. No, like how, what are they like? I just get sick of Toronto and, and the fact that they haven't won since the year I was born, Frank, it's, I did see. So on Friday night, the flyers had an alumni game against the Bruins alumni Mm -hmm. and they, they got all of the players together from their 50th anniversary cup team. The first one in 74. And it was all the living ones, at least, mm-hmm. were all there. And that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, Frank, thanks for this. Enjoy Toronto. So we will speak to you, I guess, in Toronto on Thursday? Yep, sounds good. All right, Talk thanks. That's Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. And our Mr. Rooter headliner of the day. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. Well, I was just perusing through the old interweb, and I see a picture that our good friend Mark Spector sent us. And he tagged Sports 1440. Have you had a chance to look at this, Duke? Look west. So he's taking a, taking a picture, and I assume I assume that's his cabin, or maybe, a, I don't know, maybe it's his shed or something. I don't know. Who knows with what Specs got going out there. But he says, look west. Check it out on uh, Twitter or whatever it is. Uh, he sent a picture of a beautiful... Beautiful-looking sky. Beautiful sky. And again, that would be the reflection yeah, coming out west from the sun rising in, <laughs> in the, the east. east. <laughs> <laughs> Poor spec. But uh, to his tribute, he sends this picture out because, you know, he probably just, you know, he had a good glance outside. He's doing the hit. I assume that that's, well, you know, he's been talking about this cabin out at the lake for many, well, a long time for with me. You've never been? You've no, I've never, got the, never got the invite. But I remember he sent that picture of that wood pile. I see yeah. the wood pile there that's kind of been, that he's been doing a lot probably, of chopping. Probably had a good dent put in that one uh, over that cold snap, yeah. keeping, keeping the place uh, toasty warm. Well, I'm sure he's going to say, I should say, well, I wonder if that is the cabin or the shed. 
Do you imagine if it's his cabin? <laughs> nice cabin shed. Nice yeah. cabin out there, Spec. How many rooms are in that bad boy? <laughs> he's got. That looks be, like the garage or something. Well, it's probably a little workshop or something. I would imagine he's got uh, horseshoes on the side of it. That's there. where Spec keeps his axe and a grinding wheel to keep it sharp. <laughs> Oh, boy. When we come back, uh, we'll have some open text time. Uh, before we get to Grant Fuhr at the top of the hour and our uh, co-host every Tuesday from 9 to 11, Cam Connor, former NHLer and our gamer of the day for St. Albert Dodge. That'll be at uh, 9.20. We'll uh, also go in or out with Grant uh, in that 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock hour. And Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports, senior NBA reporter, will guest with us at 10.20. Still lots more to come on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, Jordan just texted in, can we get some Dixieland Delight playing? Well, that wasn't Dixieland Delight, was it, Duke? No. That's BD. But I assume he heard the little B&D and then uh, got the itch. So Dixieland delight. that's what he figured. I assume it just kind of triggered it in his uh, his brain. He heard a little little country tune. What's the best Brooks and Dunn song? Great question. It's a tough one. They're, like B and D is one of my all time yeah. favorites. They're they're terrific. Um, my Maria, of course, uh, brand know, new man. That one, actually, the one we just heard. How long gone? I really love that song. Uh, she's not the cheating kind. I'd, I I think I would have to go with brand new man. I love that yeah. one. Uh, the Maria, like, Maria's a, it's a, it's a remake or whatever, right? They didn't write that, did they? I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure my Maria is an older I, song. I, it wouldn't surprise me yeah. one bit. Uh, oh, here, Neon Moon, thank you. Dirt Road. Red Dirt Road. That like That's obviously from the mid-2000s as opposed to the 90s, but still a great jam. Um, Neon Moon, eh? Team Dean. They had another... They, they were good. The Oh, Cowgirls Don't Cry with Reba. That one's a great one. Hmm. Oh, um, my next broken heart. That one. That's that. That's a bit of a more undercover one. Not quite as popular. Uh, and so r- this was quite a few years ago. This when I was still living in Edmonton before I moved back to the farm. So it was like 2018. Brooks and Dunn released a kind of like a greatest hits album, but then they were all um, duets with like current <laughs> uh, country artists, like uh, current people on the scene. And there, like John Party, uh, Luke Combs, like there was. There were some really, really good ones in there, so that's a great one. JCD goes, what is this, a Calgary station? Wake up, JCD. (laughs) Come on. I mean, this is cowboy country all over this province. (laughs) All over. One of the best times is now, and again, we're going to have it back with the uh, Canadian Finals Rodeo. It's like the best... You know, a week in Edmonton that you could have fun and and yeah, uh, look look out this yeah. uh, this October November. Pardon me, there'll be uh, strictly country music on this station. Oh yeah, and again, that's I th- all I'll be bumping. Yeah, I'm all for it. Brad, quit the country talk. It's horrible, Brad. Too bad. <laughs> Tough, Brad. Yeah, that's there's nothing. You know, in fact, how about this, Duke? Uh, last night or the night before, now the old reruns of Yellowstone are on. And then there's a couple, they've got the country songs in there. And the, the guys that are on the soundtrack of Yellowstone are guys that are so under the radar, yes. if you want to call it that. Mo- yeah, and a lot of them actually They're not a, mainstream. A lot that- of them have got a, a big jump start um, <sighs> after, right after having their songs appeared on that show, kind of making them a little more uh, prevalent to a wider audience, which is great. I mean, hey, that's mm-hmm. that's what stuff like that's all about, kind of getting, you know, discovered, if you want to call it that, and getting a little extra exposure. So all the power to them. So who didn't want to be a cowboy when they were growing up, like, or, you know, on Halloween? Everyone had were dressed up as a cowboy at one time or the other. 
you know, or you want it to be a cowboy. You said, I want to be a cowboy or an astronaut, yeah. hockey player, whatever. I, I wanted to be one of the village people. <laughs> Lancer the Rancher says, keep up the country, boys. There's, we have a, a, a split with our textures. I, I, well, I think that's just universal uh, across this city, province, country, like, People, even the continent, maybe like people love country music or mm-hmm. they absolutely despise it. And like, hey, like what you like. I, I have no issue. I just like good music, regardless of genre. I like today's country music is not the same as it was in the '90s, and then the stuff in the '90s isn't the same as it was in the '60s. Mm-hmm. Like, it's stuff evolves and changes. Today's it's a lot of pop music, and that's perfectly okay. I still like to bop my head and tap my. It's foot all and good music. Sing man. along on my uh, my mini treks back and forth from Delburn. I just love blasting the tunes and uh, jamming out. Send us a text, one 1440 Are you going to be watching the All-Star game? I shouldn't just say that. Are you going to be watching, say, the draft, the All-Star draft on Thursday? So that's at night, and then they've got some other events as well on Thursday. Then Friday, would you watch the skills uh, competition? Again, $1 million dollars. For the player that wins the skills competition. Also, I believe they, they have the goalies out for um, the shootout competition part of it. And I believe the top goalie gets 100K, if that's correct. I believe that's correct. Is huh? that true? I think if you make the most, I assume make the most saves. Oh, I might have to make, because I had a question about that uh, on In or Out today. Obviously, oh, really? We're on with, we're on with Grant. Uh, a goaltender in many all-star games. So yeah. relative to the skills competition, I mean, I think it'll still fit because it's not, uh, you know, exclusive, but I didn't know the goalies had a little cash in the line as well. And just so you know, again, we were talking with this, Frank. I disagree with Frank. I, I would hate to go, okay, the first seven events, you get five points for first, four points for second, three points for third, etc. When you get to the obstacle course challenge, the final event, everything is doubled. Uh, the most points accumulated over the eight events get the uh, your crown the winner and you will earn $1 million. I still haven't found anything exactly. Donovan, what are you thinking? How about that? Does the goaltender get 100K for the most? You got her, Donovan? Look at Donovan. He's on it, though. He's on it. <laughs> and the other thing I've heard that they might... After the first six events, they are going to fly all the competitors to Reunion Arena in Dallas to finish <laughs> finish things off for the. <laughs> Sorry, Donovan, I can't resist. You know what? It's, it's fair. I'd go there too. I would. Doug I, goes. Sorry, Kevin. None of it interests me. Uh, that's old school, Doug. Uh, JCD says, "Yeah, they don't want it to be over before the final event." I understand that. I get it. But, I mean, if you are, if you've dominated all six events and then the seventh one, and you come in and somehow you lose the puck, you blow a tire in an obstacle event. Yeah. Uh, Cousin Colin goes, yeah, uh, your music is always deadly. Um. B says, did you guys hear that Kale McCarr is giving 100000 to each of his defensemen if he wins? That's what Bo Byram said. And then okay. Kale McCarr followed that up by saying, I don't think he understands how money works or something. Whatever. I think McCarr might have uh, 
dispelled that rumor. <laughs> you know, it's come a long way since, you know, like, for instance, Wayne Gretzky won. You used to get a car. You'd get for the most valuable player yeah. in the game. And he gave the car to Dave Semenko one year, you know. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Oh, I mean, it, it is funny. Like, that's such um that's a pretty veteran move for a younger guy like Bo Byram to come out there, like, get ahead of it and, like, basically put the pressure on McCarr to either look like a bad guy and say he's not sharing the wealth with his uh, defensive uh, teammates mm-hmm. or, and, and like I said, you're basically, like, guilt-tripping them into it, but McCarr's not falling for it, so uh, nerves of steel. My buddy Bobby says, I'm in on country. I'm out on the All-Star game. Jordan says, my favorite All-Star moment is Owen Nolan pointing top shelf and scoring on Dominic Hasek. I did that last uh, spring. <laughs> Except you didn't go shelf. No, I, so oh, it, come it, on. The, the Delbert, this is called the Rockets Tournament. Every spring, last uh, event before they take the ice out at the end of, our, end of March. Um, and it's a beer league tournament. You get mm-hmm. drafted and stuff. So uh, d- first, first time ever blocking a shot in beer league, come out to the point block it off the shin pads, break kind of partial breakaway down the right wing. And yeah, left hand just gave a little point, short side top corner, a little little drag and sniz. It was sweet. Is there any video evidence? Uh, at the Delburn Agriplex? No, I don't think we had the cameras on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, top of the hour, we will have Grant Fear, and it's going to be exciting to talk to Grant a lot about, uh, you know, his all-star games and... His experiences, he played in, in five All-Star games, I believe. Uh, also one more in 1987. 87 was a little different, and uh, it'll be interesting to get Grant's take on what happened in, in 87 because if I can recollect, and it's it's tough to find a lot of information on this, there was an All-Star game where they picked, I think, two teams, and they played the, the Russians for a couple of games in uh, 87. But five All-Star games for Grant Fuhr, and the big one in 86 when they had nine players so pretty cool. <laughs> I got is, is this any uh <laughs> Brett from Stoney says Duke pumping his own tires about his athletic ability a tale as old as time. Anybody you know that this listens guy? It, no, I, oh. anybody that listens to the station knows that I will equally uh degrade myself and talk about how terrible I am just as much if not more than I pump my own tires. Pointless in the 11 nothing route. That that yeah, oh yeah, that's like the most glaring one. You know, a couple costly turnovers uh on a Sunday night affair mm-hmm. that maybe cost the team the game. Missing in the shootout that one uh I think that was a Saturday game, whatever. Um yeah, the odd time I have a moment of glory, I got to revel in it. Like you kidding me? They come they're so few and far between. When we come back, Grand Fear, top of the hour. Before that time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns. Our unique lounges and casual setting makes it easy for anyone to rock a new look and, of course, get the best hot towel shave experience in Canada, hands down. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.